the chick I call her Lola. She feel like the ocean, like to drink and smoke some Doja. And I feel like smoking, plus she good at charming cobras. I feel like I'm chosen, but she ain't the only one. No. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. This is the Dawn of X podcast. I'm your host, Nick, accompanied by... My name is Josh, and we are here, and we're talking X-Men. X-Men, yeah. If you're not aware, this is the podcast where we review everything in the current Dawn of X run of X-Men. Today, we're covering Fallen Angels number one, X-Men number two, Excalibur number two, and Marauders number two. I'm tired already, man. Yes. Wake me up uh, when we're done. It's, it's, it's getting there. I mean, I know we're not going to have that week where it's like all six books on one day. Not yet. I'm sure yeah. at some point we will, yeah, man. That's, that's going to be fun. We might have to do a special episode, just cover all those at one time. Of us just crying. Otherwise, if we do it bi-weekly, then we'll have like 12 to go. Well, it'll be an episode of like us going over how much money we have to like figure out and all right, move so around. Welcome to the uh, finance podcast where <laughs> Nick and I just look at our checking account and we see all the charges to the comic shop. We could write down what our significant others say to us. <laughs> Welcome to people asking me how I'm spending my money. Mainly I'm my a, wife. I'm a grown ass adult. <laughs> All right. So first up, we have Fallen Angels number one by Brian Hill and an artist's name that I can't say still. Let me say it again. I, I was getting close to it. Kudransky. Kudransky. Kudransky uh, sounds even better. Let's do that. John Krasinski, he did this? It's John Krasinski. He's <laughs> America's favorite CIA propagandist. <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> so, <laughs> Come at me on Twitter. So, we have differing opinions on this book, apparently. Oh, we do. Uh, I actually I really have a note it. already that just says magenta, so thanks, autocorrect. It meant magneto. <laughs> magneto. <laughs> uh, Fallen Angels number one. I really enjoyed it. You did not? I... Read it twice. Okay. And I can say this confidently. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate this book. Hate the book? I fucking hate this book. Really? Yeah. Okay, let's get into it then. <laughs> so, um, in this review, since we have four books, we're going to do more broad strokes, not like every page for page review. And um, first, right off the bat, I really like the art of this book. So go ahead and challenge okay, me so why you didn't like I the art. Okay, so for art. <laughs> um, I, well, I have two notes. First note regarding art. Fuck all these close-ups. <laughs> I cannot stand the amount of times we are just zoomed in on a person's face. I'm going to preface the rest of what I say about the art with this. I cannot draw mm-hmm. to save my life. No one would pay me. Yeah, nor can I. To do art. This person is a much better artist than me. So all of this is coming from a my taste standpoint. Mm-hmm. And it's not in any means directly attacking this person. The art looks fucking lifeless. Like, all of their faces just look fucking st- static. Like, there's no real sense of of anybody being alive, any organicness behind it. It almost looks like they were all drawn separately and then copied and pasted into digital backgrounds. I don't see that. And I just, I'm not feeling it. And my other note is, this art is almost as bad as the writing. Whoa! Um, <laughs> I'm going to call you racist because Brian Hill's black. Anyway, And I, uh, no. as soon as I wrote that and then I found that out later, I was like, oh, God fucking damn it. We have one person of color writing fucking X-Men right now and it's the one I fucking don't like. God damn it. Uh, all right. On the flip side for me, I think yeah, the art. We want to be as positive as possible. So you talk 
all oh, about well, what you I think love about this first book. First priority is being honest. Yeah, yeah no, every I, book I'll sucks. Be honest. Let's just I, say every I'm book sucks. I'm glad it exists. Yeah. I will. I'm not taking it off my subscription. I'm still going to read it. Yeah. If I wasn't doing this podcast, I might not read it. That's anymore, fair. Though. Um, that's gonna. I'll, I'll say that for another book later. Okay. Um, wow. so in this book, I feel like the art was very cinematic with the close. I feel like it was a storytelling choice. I feel like that's what they thought they were trying to do and i did i didn't <laughs> i didn't feel that they no. were nailing it i no, i, I felt that worked for me and also i feel like in general this book is what i thought x-force would be because this is a very x-force setup i will say that too which is why i think i don't like it as much because i was prepared not to like x-force because i thought it was going to be more like this like oh let's yeah. just go kill people and have like very little plot yeah and all the characters are well, this plot all the characters are <laughs> static and don't really represent any of the growth they've made over the past several years, and everyone just wants to fight. Uh, uh yeah, o- opposite <laughs> opinion because X twenty three seems like her, and this Psylocke I don't know as well. Mm, I'm I'm saying most because I don't know this Psylocke too well either, and it's and I'm not probably as well versed on X twenty three Laura as you are. I've read her books, her actual main books. From the last I've seen her, she was more comfortable in her own skin than she is now. I could see that like she when she was, was Wolverine. She was Wolverine and then she decided not to be Wolverine anymore. Like she yeah. has already moved on from being in, as she said, Logan's shadow. Like she's already moved past that yes. in our books. And now all of a sudden she's like, I'm not comfortable here. Everyone thinks I'm Logan. No, no one does. That's Almost fair. everyone on that island has worked with you individually on another <laughs> team. No one fucking thinks you're just Logan's little clone anymore. Where it felt like her to me is when she was saying she doesn't want Cable involved. Yeah, and that felt more like okay, cool. Like that is something she would do because she did become more of like a protector. Like she had yeah. the other like what, what's Honey Badger? What's Honey, Honey Badger, Badger? Yeah. What's with her real name though? I can't remember. I, I don't remember. Remember Honey Badger? Yeah. Her so, clone. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, she, and she was very like maternal in in her way. Yeah. To to Honey Badger. And in fairness, this version of Cable, we don't have a ton of. We don't have a whole lot of knowledge of, yeah. but I I will say that Cable seems in the other. In the other books we've seen him in now, which is just X Men, yeah, twice now, yeah, he has been more at ease in those books than he is here. Yes, and in one of those books he's not fighting, and in one of those books he is fighting. And at both times he seems fairly like not feeling like playful, almost. penned in, and not yeah. feeling like trapped. Where this book wants to all of a sudden make him feel like I'm a soldier without a war, I'm lost. Like well, that's literally not how you seem. Now that's a complaint. A book away. Yeah, that's a complaint I have in multiple books, especially in this book. Because when we meet, skipping ahead a little bit, when we meet Mister Sinister, he's not sassy Sinister. No, this is not sassy Sinister. Like this I is ha- the main Sinister. <laughs> I can I can read this note without looking back at my phone. I have a note that just said, "Was Brian Hill invited to the X meetings?" Because it, <laughs> it feels like everyone else on the other four books got together, yeah. and decided on how these characters are going to sound and act. Mm-hmm. And his are vastly different from that. That's and, fair. And no, that's now fair. that I know he's a person of color. I, mm. I'm wondering, was, was he, he excluded? <laughs> now it went from being a ironic question to now it's a serious question. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so going to the beginning, there is a, basically a terrorist incident when a little girl puts a chip on her head, her eyes bleed black and, uh, she crashes a train that she's on. Then it cuts to the, I guess, the second Psylocke. Is that how we want to put it? Or the original? This, cool. this is, oh, so this is the flashback. So this is Kowanen. Yes, this is the body of Psylocke that you would most be familiar with. This the is original the Asian, body of Psylocke. This is the Asian Psylocke, yes. Yeah. Um, it's her having images of her past and kind of having, not even a flashback, like visions. Yes. Like metaphorical mm-hmm. visions. 
and as she's thinking about her place on Krakoa, yes, yeah. her life has always been basically turmoil and fighting, and now she's at a at a place of, of tranquility. And then she gets kind of like a psychic message, yes, um, coming down that her. is basically saying, "Hey, there's a big situation happening on the regular, not I'll say Earth, but on the reg in the states, I guess, um, that involve humans, which is funny because." They don't seem to want to get involved with human issues. Yes. Magneto makes that very clear. Like, that's not our problem. Mm -hmm. Which isn't very X-Men, but it's also very Magneto. It's very Magneto. And I like how he tried to deflect it in that scene where he's like, oh, Charles would tell you not to get involved in the lives of humans. No, Charles wouldn't, really. No. Maybe this current Charles. This current one, that's fair. But, like, Charles from, like, just a year ago. (laughs) Well, no. When he was in Phantom X's body, he might have done that, too. That's true. So, Magneto... She Psylocke goes to Magneto saying, "Hey, I need to get off the island, but we're on lockdown because Magneto or uh, Charles yeah. was shot." Which they're playing very serious, which I'm like, you shouldn't. No, I think they're doing it on purpose. I think they're like, "Oh, look, we have to be on lockdown now because we were sad." I think this is part of a plan, yeah, like, to put them like again. This could just be like the the anti-establishment person in me, but it's like, wow, that is a very government thing to do, right? Like, like put the fear using using a terrorist attack <clears throat> to, to take our liberties away, and now I have to take my fucking shoes off every time I go to the goddamn airport. <laughs> hey, welcome back to Donovex Podcast. So Magneto's like, I don't approve, but you should go talk to. Sinister. Okay, but here, okay, so one thing I will say about this scene while we're going through them i another thing i do not like about this is here comes a psychic her mutant power is being a psychic and she comes tells mag magneto or magenta that (laughs) she had a vision that there is a powerful new godlike creature out there and he's like oh it was probably a dream in what world would Magneto just dismiss somebody, a psychic person's vision? And and to do it to an Asian woman also was like, dude, Magneto, you've been very fucking dismissive. That is fair. You yeah, know, I, like, I do agree kind of that. fucking weird. Yeah, no, I agree on that. Um, she goes to Sinister saying, hey, tell me how to get off the island, how to figure it out. I want to talk about that that picture in particular, going back to the art. <laughs> um, then, again, this is Sinister. It's not sassy Sinister that we've been seeing in no. every book. This at is this point in my classic. life, I don't want anything but sassy Sinister. Yeah, it's great. But this is a more classic Sinister. Yes, this is, yeah, this is very much Sinister. Like, why are you here? Tell me, like, poking and prodding. Like, how did it feel to kill somebody? How yeah. did it feel when, when Betsy was in your body? How did all this feel? You know? And so she's building up. Like, he's he's poking and prodding at her, which was cool. Like, from, I will say a positive thing. Like, that did feel like a villainous thing to do. Like, yeah, definitely. Getting under her skin. But then it all builds to a scene where Psylocke takes the focused totality of her psychic energy into her fucking blade to threaten Sinister. Yes. And it looks so fucking static. There is no motion. There's no life in that picture. She doesn't look angry. She's just sitting there with her. Okay. Yeah, you know, like it just, it's that. one of those scenes where like, I'm supposed to believe that person is just in fucking raged. It might be because the style of the art doesn't mm-hmm. allow facial expression. Yeah. And I, it's a choice, yeah. You know, and and it's not a choice that I like because there's some art I've noticed that can really exaggerate facial expressions. Like mm-hmm. if you're Gary Frank or mm-hmm. or uh, Alex Ross, it mm-hmm. can really show those details. Yeah. But this kind of like kind of smooth art yes. seems this, like it's not it, made to do it that. It just felt very computer generated. That's fair. You know, and it, it just wasn't my my cup of tea. So, so anyway, eventually she wants to go find someone to help her with this mission. Find someone who's a killer, essentially like her. So she goes to. Laura, right? Laura's her name. Yeah, Laura. X-23. And wants to get Cable. This Cable is a warrior and says, you guys should help me. And 
X-23 kind of just says no about it at first and then says, I'll go, just don't let Cable go. Yeah, so later, yeah, yeah. Which, again, like I mentioned before, I like that moment Mm -hmm. between them. So then they're going to investigate what's going on. And again, this felt very X-Force. It's Mm -hmm. like a task force of violent people Mm -hmm. that are stopping something happening. And we see the symbol of this terrorist group is a butterfly. Now, if you know Psylocke, it's kind of like a butterfly moth thing on her head. Well, she said, see, here's why I'm confused. I don't know if it's the mark of the organization because they're in the flashbacks. Her character had a kid. Yes. And whatever person or entity forged her into a killing machine, took her kid away from her and said, you'll be able to find her because she'll be marked with a butterfly. I think so the I, leader of the organization is her kid. You think? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So, I, well, I think it's dead because that was the kid that, oh, see, here's where I'm confused now. Mm-hmm. I think that kid's dead because that was the kid in the beginning that caused the train to crash. I think Apoth or Apoth or however it's pronounced mm-hmm. is the, whatever spirit or whatever energy or whatever person is behind, I need to back up and don't have a pop filter in here. Whatever person <laughs> is behind, um, the drug that's controlling these kids. I think that person is the daughter. So you think it is. So yeah. you think the body was just, I like, think they're using that symbol because that's the symbol they have I on their see. body. Already. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd like that more than just like, Oh, okay, well he, we just introduced a kid and then killed her right away. No, I think, I think that's actually her daughter. Okay. Probably raised by bad guys sure, or whatever. Sure, sure. That'd yeah. be dope. Now, does this Psylocke have the same exact powers yes. as other Psylocke? Mm-hmm. Okay, just making sure, because I saw... I was wondering if she was actually telekinetic and stuff like that, like other Psylocke. As far as I know, yeah. As far yeah. as I know, that's her primary power, where I think the other Psylocke... or <laughs> Betsy, she's kind of got it from being with her. Like, I think she was just a regular telepath, and now she's a telepath and telekinetic from her time being merged, if, okay. I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So we get more flashbacks of this Psylocke losing her kid. Uh, during her training. Also, I realized I've never seen her use her blade and shove it in someone's head. And to me, that's a cool picture. Really uh, cool image. Yeah, she's done. I think I've seen her do it to a couple of yeah. people. Yeah. She did it to Magneto, as Magneto mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another rest of the cool fight scene goes on and on. They get into a barn and see a bunch of kids with like their eyes bleeding. So this mystery bad guy, Apoth, just killed a room full of kids, basically to make a point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and essentially says, just back off. Like, this isn't your concern, mutant. Like, just yeah. back off. And then we cut to her getting ready to recruit more people, which, again, mm-hmm. feels very X-Force. Yep. As she slices a moth in half, which, to me, I think that means she knows exactly who this is. Sure. And this is symbolizing, like, mm-hmm. I'm already to kill whoever it is yeah. and do what I have to do. So, anything else? It's Sinister basically saying you have to recruit more people. Yeah. And that's the end of the book. But that's pretty much the end of the book, yeah. Now, before we go to the next books, we're going to rank this first so batch. So now we have all six books with their number one issues out. And now it is time for the much-anticipated rankings. I know you've all been waiting for this. And you, Nick, you said you wanted to go in reverse order. So you want to start with the one we hated the most or the one we loved the most? Uh, we can go worst to best, yeah. Okay. Also, I want to do this every batch of six. Okay. So I think it'd be cool at the end of like the first year. We can literally see what's How the it best changed. book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. I'll try to keep. Okay. So keep, do don't you... delete your note and I'll, we'll get a shared file of this going. So, yeah. so I don't have to listen to my voice later. every single time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's do your worst and my worst. Okay. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You can go first. All right. My worst. This is going to come as a great surprise. <laughs> Fallen fucking angels. Really? <laughs> My worst, Excalibur. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Second to last. 
my second, my number, my number five, my the one I hated the second most, X Force. My number five, X Force. There we go. At least we can agree on that. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but still, I didn't, it's I didn't hate it either. But it was it, it was another thing like Fallen Angels, where like the plot was just kind of weird. The art wasn't great. Just I, I wasn't feeling it. That's fair. My number four is Excalibur. Number four, Fallen Angels. Okay, very cool. Well, that's pretty. That's fun. We yeah. kind of just switched those. So not worry if our top three are going to be the same. <laughs> they are obviously going to be the same. Yeah. But now are they going to be in the same order? Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> Uh, you go first this time. My number three is X Men. My number three is X Men. My number two is New Mutants. Okay, here we go. My number two is Marauders. I uh, fought so hard on this. I, the, I was, was going back very and forth. Very hard. <laughs> going back and fucking forth. It could have really went either way. So I, your number one is Marauders. Yes. And my number one is New Mutants. So I. So what makes it? Before we go too much further, what makes Marauders number one for you? So Marauders number one because I feel like it's the most original. As good as New Mutants yes. is, mm-hmm. it's building off what's already made. Yes, even is. the art is Definitely. building off previous mm-hmm. art. Yeah, Marauders is totally original. Mm-hmm. It's a great cast, and now that I read number two, especially, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it is influencing it, and it's really good. Yes, I, I agree with everything you said, and all great reasons to be number one. Yeah, but it was back and forth. It was totally it, it back was and forth. Those two. my the reason I went New Mutants is one of the things you said in which it felt more like home like it yeah. felt like one of the only books to truly 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 capture the characters and not make it everything feel as slightly off and disconcerting as it has been which has been a a, a story choice and a story choice i've liked but it was cool after 12 issues of docs right we yeah had six of each right yeah 12 issues of, of um not docs hawks box mm-hmm. 12 issues of that and going through all the issues of of these new books too to finally get one is like oh yeah this is x-men like i felt comfortable again there it definitely felt the most x-men yeah and again there are a bunch of characters i really like too yeah. all right so those are our first quarter rankings <laughs> our first quarter earnings are uh, back to our financial podcast oh god no. <laughs> uh i have to be right. better at my my poll list actually i've taken off so many books to get ready for these books yeah it's either evening out or a little less so, so. where do you feel You've taken from the, which company do you feel you you drop more? DC I've or Marvel? I dropped the most of. D, all right, side rant about DC Comics. I feel like they're going in the wrong direction lately, and I've actually dropped off a lot of books. Like mm-hmm. I love Green Lantern. Yes, it's my do. second favorite DC hero, mm-hmm. easily. Second favorite. Yes, Batman, favorite? Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, problem is, it's being written right now by Grant Morrison, who I usually love. Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Liam Sharp is the artist, and none of it's fucking working. Whoa. Is not working. I mean, at all. I will say I also love Grant Morrison, but I will be the first to say he is very hit and miss, though. Yeah, like, this is not working for me at all. So I dropped that book. I have I haven't dropped Green Lantern in probably eight years at least. I've been a little closer. I've been reading consistently when it was Jeff Johns and Robert mm-hmm. Verdetti and back and forth from that. So I dropped that. I've dropped a lot of DC. I think Bendez. I've liked his Superman stuff. But lately, I, I, every now and then I remember, oh, yeah, he's DC exclusive now. Yeah. And I've heard rumors they're actually trying to buy him out because, like, the sales aren't what they thought. Doing what he, yeah. Come back, man. There's a new X Men party going. On. I like no. Bendez. I like Bendez, man. <sighs> no, I, I know. He's I know. doing things he did at Marvel that I didn't like. Like, it looks like he's going to reveal um, Clark Kent's identity to the world. Oh, no. So then Superman does Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> He has a thing against secret identities. And I'm like, but fucking this is fucking him. Superman. Fucking hates him, man. And then he really ruined um, Superman's son and aged him up. Uh, and I'm like, that ruins the point of his family dynamic. True. Stuff like I that. Bet you, I, I bet you everything I've said so far in this podcast, every negative thing I said about Fallen Angels, 
and in that the the thing I will most likely get tweets about is I like Bendez. <laughs> well, one day I we'll go over anything. the Bendez run of X Men, and, and I'll explain I, to you why I don't like it. It's not my favorite, and there are a lot of things I, I don't like about. It, but I liked his Uncanny. Yes, I don't really. I didn't care for the all new, all all different, or whatever the fuck it's called. I X-Men. had a few problems with that too. Yeah, but I did like his Uncanny because that's where I first got mostly familiar with Revolutionary. Stuff. I also have theories about him not really being the writer of that and he has writing groups anyway yeah he is definitely the james the james patterson of the yeah Marvel i was gonna say the same thing yeah, yeah. And, he's, and he's again i'm a librarian and you are uh essentially married to a librarian so of course we yeah. are with these kind of references so i wish i'd love i've lost i've lost a lot of dc love lately there's still a lot of great stuff but for those of you who don't know i feel like there's two minds at dc Dan DiDio has there's one image. And well, yeah, kind of. Dan DiDio is the main editor. And He's been there forever. Forever. But he has, an, he has an idea of what comics in DC are. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Johns has an idea of what comics are. And I'm usually in the Jeff Johns camp. You usually are, yes. I love his Green Lantern run and Justice League run. Mm-hmm. Batman he's doing right now with the Earth One books. Great stuff. Dan DiDio thinks every character should be Batman. And that's not the characters. That's not. That's not right. Sometimes Batman shouldn't even be Batman. Yeah, when they did Rebirth, that was a hundred percent Jeff Johns, and <laughs> they was a hundred percent Jeff Johns, and he said we're going to bring back hope and caring to these characters and emotion and blah blah blah. Yeah. And then Jeff Johns got busy with Hollywood stuff right now. Oops. And then DiDio's taking control, and it's going backwards again, and it's losing a lot of that luster. And he's trying to do things that are overcomplicating things, and like allegedly there's an event coming up where like. Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and some other characters are going to disappear, and other people are going to replace them for just two months. And okay. um, spoiler, if you're not reading Batman, they randomly killed Alfred. That's fucked up. And I thought it was a fake out, and I think it was a clear choice to have a fake out, but uh-huh. they didn't use it, and he's just fucking dead. He's just gone. And like that doesn't make Too any bad sense. He's not in Krakoa. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things happening in DC I just don't like right now. Yeah. Marvel. There's certain I'm kind of more selective also, but there's good stuff that is separate enough sure. to make it unique. Yeah. Like Captain America by Tana Coates is really good. Yeah. It's actually I still a really good need book. To read that, yeah. And I don't even I don't even like his Black Panther run, but that's I love his Captain America run. Yeah. But yeah. That makes sense for you. That, that that's that my exactly. <laughs> you, you you like the idea of strong black influences, but you wanted to see in white characters. That's, that makes sense for how you are. You know what? In fairness, I want to see a black person given a chance to do someone that's not black. Right? Yeah. That's fair fucking point. It's like when they say, okay, this woman has to be mm-hmm. written oh, by a the, woman. The woman's going to write the woman. Yeah. Like, no, let them write. Let anyone write anyone yeah. and see who's the best. Yeah. Simple as that. Have there been women writers on Batman? I'd love to see that. I want to say maybe Gail Simone at one um, point. Batman? I know she did Birds of Prey and, and Batgirl. I think detec- Detective Comics. Oh, maybe. True, true, true. But in general, no. No. You know? Like that, I feel like that would be very interesting. To, to well, get then in. you have to go in the camp of how many female writers are in DC, right? How many black and female writers are at DC Comics yeah, right answer. now? I'm, Brian I'm, Hill, the guy you just don't like right yeah. now, <clears throat> he's doing Batman and the Outsiders, which is essentially just Black Lightning, to be honest. Fair. He's just writing Black Lightning. Fair. And I can't think of any prominent female writers because Gail Simone is like there back and forth yeah. kind of so yeah that's the reality of comic as someone who wants to be a comic book writer mm-hmm. that's the sad reality Help of it my friend out if you look up Brian Hill's work in the past mm-hmm. two years a lot of it is it's what you think black characters he did a Killmonger miniseries <laughs> and stuff like that yeah it's it's a lot yeah. of stuff you assume and of course the one do. time he gets the right white people and I don't even like him yeah in fairness most of them are Asian 
X twenty three and Psylocke. Oh, X twenty three is Asian. Yeah, I didn't know. That. I think she's half Asian. Oh. Well, she's she's a clone of Wolverine, but she always yeah. looks Asian. Oh, okay. To me, in every book, she always looks kind of vaguely Asian. Viewers, let us know huh. where you come down <laughs> on Laura's ethnicity. So back and to do X-Men. it in a in a fucking nice way. All yeah, right? we're we're not sitting here trying to get on the clans radar. Oh, actually, my pick this week, <laughs> oh, uh, my non X Men, my non X Men pick is uh, Jeff Lemire just did a deluxe, the uh, DC Black edition of mm-hmm. uh, the Question. Oh, cool! And it's actually New Mutants guy Bill Shazinski. Oh, yeah, since Kevin's, I'm gonna say Kevin's. I was, saying, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's him and Jeff Lemire doing a Question story. Oh, wow! It's really, really that good. That is cool. Yeah. Um. So back All to right, X Men. So <laughs> If you're not a comic book pullist guy, that meant all fucking you're, nothing. You can just fast forward to that. That was about. I am more five of a DC guy, maybe? but this has brought me back. Anyway, so X Men number two by Hickman. I liked this issue because it sets up who's going to be the first to fuck up this perfect world. Right. Really, really badly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lot of Hickman stuff if you read his other work that I'm like, oh, that looks like a character from East of West. Okay, interesting. Because I am not a huge back. You know, I don't have a huge back knowledge of Hickman. So His image book, I'm, I hope I'm saying it right, East of West, yeah, that, 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 that I know. These yeah, look yeah. like characters from that. And he had a book called The Dead and the Dying that looked like characters from oh, that. Okay, this pale white character yeah, we yeah. see. The Summoner? Yeah. He seems like that. Okay, cool. So, the gist of this book, we have the Summer's family going on a little family the trip. Summer, the Summer, Summer Vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, so, they go to this mysterious island with this weird tentacle volcano. Um... They try and investigate it. They see a bunch of crazy animals there. They fight. It, so of let's set up who the who the family members. Oh, I'm are. sorry. So yes, we have Scott, S- Scott, Rachel, we have Rachel, and we have Kid Cable. Yes, we have Kid Nathan. Which I wish they would dress, but whatever. So it's the three of them. <laughs> At what point is Scott gonna be like, "Oh, I'm so glad my teenage son is back. Too bad he had to kill my adult son." Yeah, but it's technically <laughs> the same person, so it doesn't. So matter. I guess I'm cool with it. But like, yeah. I did also bond with my adult son at some point too, and now he's gone. Like. So I do like that he brings up therapy in this because my man Scott needs therapy. He's he's needed that. We have a chart of all of the summoner signs and different kinds of summoners, and that's a whole thing. Yeah. That's all Hickman. It's all very Hickman yeah. from what we've learned so far. And my favorite part of this book of Kid Cable trying to give a peace off. Look, offering. I'm being nice. I'm giving my thermal thermal nuclear grenade. Or whatever. <laughs> so naturally, he attacks them. Yes, they don't speak the same language, so he's trying to just communicate naturally. Yeah, hand him a grenade. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Uh, they're having a big fight scene. They fight. We see the summoner actually summon, summon. all these crazy monsters, mm-hmm. which I guess now we know this is where the monsters that we've seen. Yes, the the one that we saw in X Force. Yes, that's where it came from. But then I had that question too. I was like, well, if it if Krakoa was just heading over there, did it, it swim? How over? did that fucking wildebeest swim f- like more than five hours away? Okay, I think that X Force book is placed incorrectly. Even though well, a he big mentions thing, Scott mentions Xavier being dead, in this yeah, book. that's why it's messed up because someone messed up in that editing. Because in that book, yes, Xavier dies and that affects the next books mm-hmm. after it. But everything before that, like we we still don't know when Kitty found Psylocke. Or that's all, I mean Colossus. Colossus yeah. We don't know when that happened. Don't know. We haven't and seen it hasn't been brought back up. And that would be a big thing for mm-hmm. her to find him, the person. And now she's love. done with Russia in this book, though. So yeah. like, is that just that's all we're getting from that? And then we have these animals appearing on there. Yeah. So it felt kind of editing wise, and these get a little unless tired. you know we're we're from Florida, so we understand how invasive species work. Maybe yes. maybe somebody from Krakoa brought that beast over when it was a little pet, like a little baby, thought it would be a pet, 
then we're like, oh, I can't handle it, and just let it out into the wild. And that's how you get invasive Araco species. <laughs> uh, we also see, I think this creature, other than looking like characters from other Hickman books, he looks like the ba- a, a paler version of the bad guy from Hellboy 2. Yeah. The elf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he look, his face really just does. looks like that. Yeah, he looks like a Guillermo del Toro creation. Especially with the monsters. Yeah. So eventually they learn the same language, and he kind of calms them down. Not his- eventually. <laughs> fucking... What's her? She going by prestige now. Rachel, yeah, fucking remembers she's a fucking telepath, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I can put us in touch." It's like, what the fuck, man? Well, does she, Rachel? Put, you've been doing this for a long fucking. I forgot. Time. Does she put the Krakoan language in him? Yeah. Okay. And then they calm down. They try and talk for a little bit, and he basically explains that the islands just want to fuck. Yeah. They just want to get down. Now is this the island? From this is part of the island that Apocalypse tried to save. Yes. With his original four horsemen. Yes. So and that that's... disappeared. So this is Krakoa's second. This is Krakoa's love. Yeah. The one because when Apocalypse came back, Krakoa immediately knew him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he mentioned like yeah. I'm back at yeah. this place. And there's a few more things about Apocalypse coming up in the next oh, other I book. Just or the <clears throat> informally known as Apocalypse. <laughs> a. Um, so they finally I connect. I think he's being a real A right now. Honestly, I think he's up to some shit. He's fucking definitely gonna mess up all this stuff. He is scheming like hardcore. Um, so then after the islands fuck, they're one island now. And <laughs> let's get down, get our roots entangled <laughs> to the point where Kid Cable just covers his eyes. No, I think, isn't it si- Isn't it Scott covering his eyes? Oh, it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. He's like, like, like a real dad in a movie theater, dude. Like, yeah, you don't have to see you that. You don't see this kid. Also, very Doctor Manhattan. The Summoner is oh, like yeah, just like butt point. naked, yeah, just yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's a, this that's pure creature. Yeah. Uh, so now they're connected. So great volcano, cool. This you tentac- tentacle you volcano. Yeah. You get it now? Yeah. The, vol- the volcano and the tentacles? Huh? Oh, uh, you see what they did? That's not good. They got it. Um, <laughs> the island's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and then the summoner finds Apocalypse, not dressed like he is in Excalibur, but no. whatever. Um, and then he bows down to him and shows that he acknowledges who he is. And, 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 and Apocalypse kind of says, like, you're one of the creatures technically i made he is basically a descendant of apocalypse because he in his in his mind he considers him one of his children yeah because he is one of the, the children of, of the original war yeah horseman which possibly makes him a mutant maybe he's above that kind of now i at this point i think he's above it above yeah. that yeah. which again is dangerous because mm-hmm. then did all the other ones have children does apocalypse have a secret four horsemen <laughs> well in the chart about the summoners it shows you like of those of those master summoners that he is, I think there's only three left. So you can't have four horsemen. Unless there's another one that's not a summoner. Yeah. Yeah. And then they hug and that's how it ends. And I'm I want I want to like yell going, ah shit. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be the one. He's the one to fuck up all the good times. So right here's now. what I don't know. Like here's why I'm going back and forth with because Apocalypse, obviously, bad dude. Bad guy. Does a lot of bad shit. But he honestly does seem like yeah, this is the ideal, a homeland for mutants, like where we are the master race, you know, like he's the kind of character. I though. feel like he's scheming not to fuck over the other mutants. Mm. His idea is basically, I think, 
to bring Krakoa everywhere to basically be invasive. Like yes, instead of I can just, see that. Instead of just living on our own here, why don't we just take over the rest of the fucking world? Yeah. You know, like that's what I, I think is happening. I, I could definitely see him doing that. He's definitely that kind of character, but also he's the kind of character that goes, this is great. I could do it better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I kind of, <laughs> that's I think what I'm alluding to. He's basically going to come around and be like, Moira, and especially when he finds out Moira is back. Yes. Like Moira and the rest of these fuckers are doing it wrong. Let me show you how to do it right. Well, I could see him demanding Moira give him all the memories that mm-hmm. Magneto and Xavier have. Like, so, I want to know every possible thing yeah. I could do wrong. Yeah, right. So here, before we move on to the next one, I do have a, a couple other things. There was, um, the summoners are a link between Arakko, I believe is how you pronounce it, that mm-hmm. island, and the other world. Like At some point, they mention in there that they derive their power from the other world. So that's pretty interesting given that yeah. Apocalypse is kind of con- like in one book, like, oh, we have to figure out what's going on here in the other world. And now he's met some one of his basically descendants because yeah. ha- has power in the other world. That so, mysterious gateway opened up in his room, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. So like he's like, how this come here? Yeah, they, so there's more. He's not telling Betsy and the crew in, huh. the, in the next book. Interesting. And my other two notes are Apocalypse is a really good dad. <laughs> like he was just like. Of course I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to keep all my children You say safe. that, but then you don't open the first page of the next book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then... Well, see, that was before he was a good dad. And, He's lived and learned. And technically, those weren't his children. And then... Uh, the other one is... I do... Going back to the, the Summers clan. I do really like how forced their relationship is. I do like that Scott's like... Hey kids, let's go. And they're all basically acting yes. how they think a family would. Yes. Because they desperately want that. And they never had anything even And they've close never to had it or had a chance to have anything close Especially to Especially those three characters. Exactly. So like, they're both from bad futures, yes. two of them. And mm-hmm. then Scott has been through every yes. bad thing. And including through death. a lot with baby cable. Like yes. reading if you go back and reread um the adventures of, of Psylocke Cyclops and Phoenix. Yeah is when they basically raise Cable for the first few years until Sinister fucks it all up. As anyway. it does do. <laughs> but, so, I, I like that they're, it's clear that, like, hey, a family would make this joke with each other. A family would do this. He's like, but it's not in, like, a, a fake way, more of in a let's make this our reality way. Yes. And, and I really it's, do like that. It's almost, like, sad how sweet it is. Like, it's it's a desperate mm-hmm. attempt. It's, it's, it's bittersweet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, also, side note: What would you rather see? Would you rather see a civil war happen Wait. on Krakoa, or a civil war between Krakoa and some other major group like Wakanda or like Avengers or something like that? I feel like it's gonna happen yeah. in some way. Well, I'm an X Men fan. Yeah. So I don't want to see fighting amongst other X Men. And, and they've kind of like tried it. to get past that. Yeah. So, but I also don't want to see it with Wakanda. I feel like it's it's a because that feels weird, step. but that does feel like where we're kind of heading because yeah. Wakanda is going to see them as a threat. Yeah, and they uh, say like uh, Africa's uh, off limits essentially. Yeah, like yeah. a socio political economic threat. Yeah, and we've established in the next book we're getting ready to discuss here that they are smuggling shit into African nations. Yeah, which is weird. It's nations because that Wakanda's, can't admit they're yes, exactly. So I did like that they won't. That's just true, true. So yeah, I I can see there being a, a an instance where Black Panther is like, um, what the fuck y'all doing in my area? I told you, you have to fight my wife again. Oh, here we go again. I would I would guess that 
Um, especially given a Black Panther two is going to be coming out. You know, like I, I could <laughs> see right, there. Yeah. You know, not to be too cynical, but oh, I'm, I'm definitely excited for that Fantastic Four crossover book to see that the broader and i impact. and i am glad that is the first broader book because yeah. it makes sense having the fantastic four they have a mutant son the fantastic four and the x-men do kind of go pretty far back and it's been a while Definitely, yeah. as far as i know that they've interacted so so next book excalibur and this is where the way you were with fallen angels i think i'm gonna be this way with um excalibur okay i have a lot as someone who considers himself a writer uh, I wear a turtleneck and like I have a smoking room and everything. That's where I'm at. I hated the writing in most of this. I felt like a lot of the writing was flat and rough draft-ish, and characters just didn't sound natural in a lot of scenes. And there was mm-hmm. some repetitive nature in some of the dialogue in some mm-hmm. spots, mm-hmm. and it really messed up the flow. This was a better issue than the last one. But I wanna I wanna start this by saying just yesterday I got to meet Tina Howard. You did, so you're biased already. And she was nice. I'm sure she was. And she signed a copy of the Glow graphic novel that she wrote. Oh. Which was cool. That said, <laughs> I don't one hundred percent disagree with you. Yeah. Like there are like there especially this book, there were times where I'm like, what exactly does that mean? Like there yeah. there were like pieces of dialogue where I'm like, I'm not sure what that person's even saying. And then actions that don't make full sense. There were a couple times, yeah. With Jubilee especially, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. This is why it's the middle of the road book for me. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, it is that way primarily because it has some of my favorite characters. Which anytime, I'm going to establish now, anytime there's a book with Rogue and Gambit in there, I get at least two minutes Mm-hmm. To talk about Rogue and Gambit, yeah, absolutely, specifically, and then, <laughs> but you're not going to talk about Gambit because Rogue's in a cocoon. Oh, I can talk about that too. I All have, right. three, I have, I have, say, I have something to say about that. Go for um, it. But as far as the plotting goes, it does feel weird. It does feel like things happen and then get undone real quickly. Yeah, and then like things happen, and you're not quite sure how that happened or where that came from, and a lot of the the plot that's being moved around, by, being moved forward by the dialogue, doesn't feel. Like it's happening. Like the, it, it doesn't make sense. And I wish I should have written down some of the pieces of dialogue. The character like, I don't back know and what forth, especially the character when they're on the boat, the character back and forth don't feel natural. No. And so I'm going to take one of my moments here to talk about Gambit. Go for it. So welcome to the Gambit corner. Um, so one thing I will say, I'm going to stop you because first problem, there was no Gambit dialogue in this book. Mm hmm. There was no like random thrown in French. Okay, so here's where I, here's so where now I, you may go. <laughs> so here's where I am. So at first, on my first reading, I was like, "This isn't Gambit." One, he's not being um, laid back. He's not being carefree. Yeah, he's not being even jovial in the face of danger, which is how he yeah, generally hiding is. It. Yeah, his defense mechanism kind of. I read it the second time. I was like, "Well, I get it because that is who he always is, and it's generally who he always is for other people." Like in the midst of something bad, he cracks a joke to kind of just cut the tension. Yeah, he is he is kind of that like the the tears of a clown type person. That's fair. He can't right now because of how much he cares about Rogue. His wife. Like he he can't be that person, and he doesn't want to hear it from other people right now because he knows what they're trying to do because it's something he tries to do. Yeah, and he's just like fuck it, I don't care, leave me alone. It doesn't one hundred percent feel true to the character, but it doesn't. Gambit being a fucking wet blanket also is kind of to his we character. Have all the characters. He, he can be a wet blanket from time to time. So, like, I'm not that against it. 
So we have in the beginning of this book a flashback of Apocalypse with his cult that we met last issue. And letting, he lets them basically die when they try and leave the island because they're not good enough. They're not, they're not good enough yet. They're not worthy enough. However, they have a very useful mutant power, which is when the two of them are together, they can never be lost. Which I don't fully understand, but it seems <laughs> like in the magical world that would be very cool. Sure. Especially since we find out later that basically they are building that new lighthouse yes. kind of where they died. So, so their <laughs> atoms, their remains, I'm assuming are going to somehow play is a magical role. Is that what it was? Role. I was a little lost in yeah, that. Yeah, again, this is, I had to read it twice to get this. Um, their magical remains, I, I, their remains I think will play some role in magical like guidance. Yeah, and I like the lighthouse stuff, being a, a way to guide stuff. people. They being the type who can never be lost. That, that kind of thing. So we cut to a, the boat with Kitty g- taking them to the lighthouse, the original lighthouse from the original Excalibur book. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, this is our kind of our homeland. Take mm-hmm. us back there. We'll figure it out there. They're on Kate's boat. Yes. She's still sassy. They're attacked by these kind of like demon mermaid people. And they're kind of, it's Gambit, again with the dialogue, kind of saying like, I'm not leaving her. It's like, yeah, no mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, like, get it, dude. We, we, we get know it. you're not leaving. We get it. You love your wife. No one Gambit. thought you were. Uh, they fight them back and they kind of split up from Kitty because they're gonna put her in danger. And they take, they kind of get to like the coast of the island. They try and go to the lighthouse. Lighthouse isn't there. And they bump into a bunch of. Uh, I guess this was the cult that that this is Apocalypse. The, the cult that she runs into is the cult that worships the land. Yes, okay. The, the druids that basically where Captain Britain draws her magical power or Brian's before her. And only she can see them. Correct. The other members can't see them. And then the druids there explain to, to the rest of the people to, sorry, to Psylocke about like who the other cult is. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty, again, I should have looked it up, but the other character they mentioned, the main one, the evil one is from runaways. I think she's the mother. One of the characters. Oh, interesting. Okay. I did not know that. Okay. And then they kind of, or when they put down Rogue, the whole entire lighthouse returns, but as you said, it's like from the remains. I think, yeah, I think Apocalypse built it. Yeah. And I think he chose that spot because of the remains of the the others. So it raises, and at the top of the lighthouse is Rogue. Again, we don't know why at all. She's the guiding light. Apparently. Um, They all take rest inside the lighthouse, Again, with the dialogue, I'm not crazy about. But then Jubilee has a dream about Apocalypse taking her child. Now, again, I, I don't know much about Jubilee's kid. I don't. I, I meant to look up more about Shogo before I came here, too. But apparently he is human. He is human. Which, yeah, I get it. It's a problem on a mutant island. Mm-hmm. And she has this nightmare about that. But this is the part I actually did like. Cause I, I do, oh, I I'm love curious this. About this I love this scene, too. Um. Psylocke has a whole weird dream with this flaming fox and the Captain sword. Britain. Huh? Captain Britain. Captain Britain. That's true. Which I do love the costume completely. Mm-hmm. I think the costume But Psylocke is a completely different character now. So just from like a Betty. standpoint. <laughs> Betsy or Captain, Betsy, yeah, or okay. Captain Britain. That's I think fair. we got to go. So this trippy dream happens and then she opens her eyes and the baby's touching her head. I do like the part where she's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's into purple right now. Yeah. That's very <laughs> baby thing. Uh, they wake up and see the druids outside their lighthouse and then they're being attacked by the other druids. And basically, Apocalypse is like, hey, 
What's going on? Hey, I wasn't spying on you guys. I got an alert from yeah. my on my <laughs> ring, my ring doorbell. And, and then uh, he's like, "Do you want me to help you? These are used to be my people, and I didn't really care." Mm-hmm. And I do like the dialogue in this part because it was kind of like Psylocke saying, or sorry, Captain Britain saying, "Hey, aren't you sorry about this?" And like, "No, yeah, no, should happen. Not man. really. I'm not particularly sorry about it. It's just what it is." Mm-hmm. And and that's how I see Apocalypse. Like he doesn't think he made mistakes. No, no. But he, he thinks he can do better. Yeah. But what he already did was pretty good. It was pretty good. It, it was better than anyone else is going <laughs> to yeah, do, yeah, essentially. I mean, he's just going to have to come up with a better, an even better plan. Yeah. So uh, basically, Apocalypse says, listen, I'll take care of these guys while you go to the other world. And Captain Britain kind of says no. And he's like, I wasn't really asking. And he pops up with a giant hammer. <laughs> yes. So he's Thor. He's Thor now. He just wants to do his own thing. And then Captain Britain says, okay, we'll all go to Otherworld. And this is where I don't like. It's like, well, I'm going to take my kid. And it's like, well, you know you shouldn't. You shouldn't no, have brought the kid said, in the first so place. Here's, this is one of the places that I, I disagreed with. I, I don't like the dialogue here. Mm-hmm. Like, I Not disagree with you, but like disagree with the dialogue. So if I'm not mistaken, what's happening here is Betsy saying, I can take us to the Otherworld. I know how to do it. And Jubilee's like, okay, first let me bring back my kid. Oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And right, then right, she right. says, "There's no time," and she just fucking takes them. Yeah. Like, Betsy, what? Yeah. Like, you it, put a child in danger. Like, it's the same amount of time for her to pop through another portal. Like, yeah. they're all portals now, dude. We all like because they put a plant one in that area yeah, where they were like, staying originally. Yeah. So I, I was I was pretty upset with that, but I wasn't I wasn't upset with how it ended though. Well, the baby popped away. They they kind of appear in other world, and there's a giant dragon. And Who says? What's that dragon say? Oh, the baby's name. Oh, yeah, I didn't <laughs> that, that. Babe, that dragon is the baby. I am one hundred percent convinced that's the that's the baby. That'd be fucked up. That when the baby went to other world, it became a dragon. That's pretty cool. First, and another moment about Gambit. Look how awesome his other world outfit is. Yes, I didn't know that's that. That's a dope ass other world so outfit. So did Captain Britain go? Just while Everyone we're on gets the way new there, outfits. yeah, yeah. New the, didn't have medieval. Time. You don't have time to get to bring your baby home, but I have time to give you all new outfits. Yeah, and the reason I'm convinced that it is Baby Shogo is because of this lullaby at the end, which is all about um, the baby going uh, a, a baby going through the light or going through a garden, yeah. be, being transformed, and which is what I, you know, obviously what just happened to Baby Shogo. So uh, one thing I do want to say about Rogue before we move on, okay. Um, I miss her dearly. Mm-hmm. I miss her sassiness. We could use that right about now. Uh, watch out, the book's getting split. Um, but then. One thing I did think about, and I did actually bring up that uh, with the author, Tini Howard, put this in my head a little bit too. Oh. We were talking about like about character, you know, and like how to make them sound familiar when you, you're doing all these things. And she's one of the things that she basically said was, "How do you think Rogue is going to act when she gets out of this? Like, Rogue is not the kind of person who likes to be." taken control of not not like a person not the person who wants to be like helpless and in this little like confined space so she made it seem to me like rogue is coming back with a fucking attitude when she gets out of her coma which i'm here for i want to see fucking mad as hell rogue that should be cool yeah Yeah, so i'm looking forward to that it was a middle of the road issue but the dialogue i really didn't like i i did like this one i think more than i like the first one yes same so it it wasn't as hard to get through for sure so i'm i'm looking forward to it getting better and more exciting i do like the magical part of it i do like um uh kate being like oh i remember when i was part of the excalibur team too you know like i did like all that that was fun so all right so now marauders number two 
my favorite book. <laughs> um, Best issue of the of the two weeks for sure. Yes, definitely. Um, we cut to a report from someone redacted. We don't know who's reading the report, who's in charge of mm-hmm. probably the bad guy of the story, mm-hmm. um, which now I have a theory after the end of the story. <laughs> so it's a report saying what the Marauders are doing, what's going on. And we don't know who it is, but I think we know they're not American because they said they can't do business on American soil. Yeah. I th- if I remember reading that correctly, yeah. yeah. And then they talk about the places the Marauders go to to talk to mutants that people don't go to, like gay bars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That yeah, was yeah. funny. And then we have Emma Frost talking to people about... She's talking to the cuckoos. Is it? Is it? Because yeah. I see like there's a re- There's supposed to be five of them. I was like, Two of them, I think, were killed temporarily or like out of commission temporarily. Oh, okay. So that those are the restored cuckoos. Oh, cool. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and then... I just side note, I fucking love Sebastian. You Shaw. do, and every time I read anything about Sebastian, Shaw, I'm like, I why love does he it. love this dude? He's such a prick. He is, but for some, since I saw him in the animated series, I love his power. Yeah, and he also does have a cool power. Right? I love Kevin Bacon. So when he ended up playing him in first class, I'm like, this is the best. That's so this funny. is the best combination ever. I, I do, I do love his his sideburns. He's got great mutton chops. Great mutton chops, and when he gets into a fight scene, I mm. guarantee eventually his shirt will rip off yes. and he's wearing a sash on his waist yes. and that's how the fight scene's going to yes. go. Yes. I fucking love it. But in this book, he's kind of desperate. Mm-hmm. I do like, because did you ever read, you remember when they were doing, I think they called them X-Men Black and were like series of one shots about yeah. the different villains? Yes. Did you read Emma's? No, I only read um, Magneto's. Okay, so in Emma's, she basically tricks gambit rogue and one other person i forget who it was and basically into helping her take over the hellfire club oh and in part in doing so she basically fucked over sebastian shaw happened damn, near, between them. damn near killed him and she's like i'm the white king is what she called herself now like huh. so or black king i think but so that's where i think this is kind of where that's stemming from that had the power dynamic shifted in in that issue well she makes it clear that she knows the sketchier things that sebastian's doing which in that was a big part of the that, that issue too, okay yeah. so he's kind of first he's like how dare you accuse oh okay yeah yeah and then she kind of makes a point of like i know you're losing money mm-hmm. i know you're probably scamming some dumb old woman into thinking she's gonna be the red queen in this oh, no, situation he, she's talking about younger women young that's true yeah so. your man uh, loves the younger women yes definitely <laughs> well he's also very old because he can, he can unlike generate. you he loves the younger women <laughs> uh oh yeah, yeah she's not here so she can't yell at you um we're the same age we're cool that's true uh <laughs> so other than old people talk so then we cut back to the marauders fighting a bunch of uh pirates kind of and then you realize they're the boat being run by the black king mm-hmm and I love that they have the Leaper in here. Yeah. I love that. And I love the dialogue between him and Kitty. Yeah. <laughs> I love, like, hey, just just between me and you. Uh, can we just uh, talk real can quick? We, like, can we uh, fix this? I don't want to fight yeah. you. You guys are very, <laughs> like, very bad news. Like, he wasn't a bad guy. He was kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm just trying to work, man. Yeah, man. I'm just trying to get the paycheck. I love when <laughs> Kitty just grabs the guy's wrist. And, like, this is a pressure point. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you want to dance? Uh-huh. Let's dance. And, like, puts him, like, through the ship. Uh, and, like, and then, don't kill me. Yeah, and then out into the ocean. And uh, I love the reaction <laughs> of, I'm going to bite your arm mm-hmm. from uh, from I- a... Pyro. Pyro. I love when he screams, Yeah, don't kick Storm. And then, like, just bites <laughs> just him. Like, bites just him. how enraged he is that he kicks Storm. Like, how dare you? It's the most ridiculous fight. However, it's Pyro. Yeah. However, Pyro is taking very good advice. I'm going to have to get a pop filter. Taking very good advice 
from Kid Cable in the last book where it says your options are fight, flight, or bite. Yep. And that's what my man does. <laughs> just bit him. And then the Libra just chops him in the throat. Yeah. Like, like oh, this is great. Pyro's done. Um, and I'll <laughs> let you say easily the best line of the book. Booty inspection? <laughs> oh, I screenshot that so fast. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. When she went to check on what's actually when under the ship. so close to a, a canonical gay Kate and I am... I'm, can't wait for it. Shadow Cat is one of the gayest characters in the X Men, and it's time that she comes out of the closet. <laughs> I can see her being a bi character, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I mentioned she talked to the Leaper about let's make a deal, and just kind of like, no, I know who the captain is, who's yeah. the real part of, owner. Yeah, part and of we're my fucking job him over. is also to fuck him over. So, and they mentioned that this boat was supposed to go to Africa, but instead it's going to like rich people. Mm-hmm. And she kicks them off. They take over the boat. In the meantime, oh yeah, this is one of my favorite parts, <laughs> where Pyro is now selling the boat to random people. Yes, just auctioning it off at port. <laughs> and then he's like, Iceman, take it from here. It's a boat. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, Iceman. Like, I love the dynamic here, because Iceman is usually the comedic relief, and even he doesn't know what to do with this new, like, insane Pyro. Yeah. When he's like trying to sell 55 like $55? Like, who just <laughs> yeah. sells it to random people? Yeah, he's like, whatever. I, I love it. I love that whole dynamic, especially because it's literally fire and ice working mm-hmm. together. Yeah, well, then, yeah, that's that's fun, too. And then it cuts back to basically Emma explaining all of this to Sebastian. One and- thing I don't generally talk about in comics mm. are outfits. Yeah. Because I'm not a fashion-forward <laughs> person. But goddamn, Emma's outfit is fucking amazing. It's great, and it's like that, you know, not her boobs just sticking. Yeah, out. It, it's it does such a great job at making her a sexual, beautiful character while not just like overdoing it like they've always done with Emma. Yeah, and like those fucking feathers on her arm, like that's fucking insane. <laughs> like, I would, I think I would literally faint if I saw somebody wearing that in real life. I would just be like, that's amazing. I would it's just great. fall over, <laughs> like. So then we have the Marauders go to a bar, go to a gay bar, where we actually see Iceman making out, guys. I love it. Uh, see Kate letting herself go. All fantastic. Fucking let Storm go. letting herself go, but also trying to stay on, on task. Wait, aren't we here to meet somebody? And then she goes, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> Hey, oh, Bishop. <laughs> so I have, I, but when we're done reviewing, remind me, I want to talk about my theories on, on Kitty Pride real quick. Okay. Uh, like oh shit, we're, like she felt like such a real character. And mm-hmm. I love she still has the band aid on her nose because mm-hmm. like it's still hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like hey Bishop, you're here, and he's like you're late. Like what the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. And he's explaining the situation, and he goes like also so you know Xavier's dead. And then almost again like an occult vibe where he's like believe in the five yeah. from Iceman. Like it's okay. We have to believe in the five, and yeah. then somebody's like, well, what if it's not? And yeah. like that was the first time. In any of the books that have addressed Xavier's death, that anyone had any kind of actual worry. Yeah. Like everyone has been like, ah, oh, he'll come back. Like everyone's kind of brushed up. Even Scott was like, it's fine. Let's go kill some monsters. Let's not sit around. Like this is the first time that c- characters legitimately seem concerned that something might be wrong already. Because like it's the head boss. Mm-hmm. Like something happened to the and, head boss. Yeah. That's scary. And they're probably like, what are our backup systems? Like what are what are these servers look like? Yeah. I hope it wasn't all cloud based. <laughs> Well, they might not even know about the detail of that. They probably, they probably won't, yeah, you yeah. know. 
And then Kitty's like, fuck it. I'm just going to get a tattoo. <laughs> she finally gets her hold fast tattoo. She gets yep. her hand tattoos. And then <laughs> and your boy Pyro. Just getting his face tatted with the skull with that the we skull. see on the cover. He's all in. Doesn't he say like something like, go Muties, yeah, go? Or he's like, let's go like Muties, let's go. <laughs> and then like she just drops a bunch of cash on the table. Yeah. And he's like, this is too much. And then she just she, kisses the guy. And then she takes his coat. She's, so she paid for the coat too. And that's, that's why I knew, oh, this is the cover that mm-hmm. I got. For, which I have to give yeah. to you. It's in my yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then they see Gateway. I haven't seen Gateway in forever. Oh, I know, right? And he opens a gateway to a new boat for them. Yep. And they're like freaking out. And love, <laughs> even Bishop is like, because Bishop is like, hey, we really got to get back to Taipei quick. There's something going on. Yeah, and like, and then he sees the like, I could, I could hang out a little bit. Yeah, I, I could chill here. Yeah. Um, and then it cuts to Emma explaining to Sebastian Shaw, yeah, we have a new Red Queen and then I'll let you say the last oh, line. Let me see it again because I, I have a screenshot of this too where my girl, Kate Pride, shows up in her fancy new red coat, her badass boots, and a bottle of what I'm assuming is looks like a, a champagne bottle. Yeah. It just says, I'm the Red Queen, bitch. And that's Fan- how the fucking book ends. Like... It's gonna be hard for any book to top that mm-hmm. in the coming few weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was, I read it this morning finally, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Like if I had to, if I wasn't in this podcast, I'd have mm-hmm. three books on my list, yeah, most likely, yeah. And this would be number one. Oh, that would definitely be one. Yeah. So one of the things that I started noticing, especially in this episode, this issue, and I thought about it in the first issue of Marauders too, is as much as I enjoy. Kitty, this new version of Kitty Pride, Kate here, and her 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 laid back attitude. She's coming her, out of her shell finally. She's coming yeah. out, but I'm starting to worry: is she, or is this like a manic episode? Like, is everything so messed like up? Something bad her happened that she's become manic because it's she possible. she can't join her family. Yeah. The X Men have always been her family. She can't get there the same way everyone else does. Yeah, the thing with Psy- Colossus that hasn't truly been addressed yet but like yeah she to me and i i am not a psychiatrist i'm not a licensed person like that at all but i have dealt with it in my life and in my loved one's lives she is coming off as incredibly manic like the energy she's giving up like just throwing money just randomly getting tattoos doing like just yeah her like let's go dancing now let's do that like just like almost like a midlife crisis moving. yeah but like kind of but it definitely feels more of like this is just energy that I, I like. These are all great ideas True. I'm having right now, and I have to do them right now. And she might if crash. Do it, if I don't do it right now, then they're never going to get done, and we have to go right now. You yeah. know, like that True. is how she's coming off. And I hope if that's what they're going for, I hope they handle it in in a very sensitive and like honest way, though. I never looked at it like that, yeah. so that's fair. So like, I, I'm I'm really excited to see that too because I like her as a character, and I think that would be interesting for her because. All of her life has been tied. Literally, yeah. her entire life has been tied up in being an X Men. Yeah, an X Man, and especially the idea that like it could be a deeper pain of like, why mm-hmm. am I not allowed? Yeah, yeah. why like, am why I am, allowed? Why to am heaven? I not allowed? Like, <laughs> uh, like she even says in this book too. Like, I don't want to just sit. I'm not going to sit around while everybody else hangs out on their island. Like, yeah, it's, she's very much feeling excluded, and now she's like lashing out. That's fair. Yeah, I like that's a good idea. So, I really like the idea. Oh, this is a lot of payback for Sebastian because oh, Emma love, brings it up. Emma says, that. like, you don't always choose Mm-mm. mutants. No. He's a financial guy. He is a what's in my best interest. Because the Hellfire Club itself was not about mutant power. No, it was, it was about just about power. power. Yeah. They didn't care if you were a mutant, if you wanted to kill because mutants. Because if I remember correctly, two members weren't even mutants. Or no, one. Mm-hmm. Donald Pierce wasn't mm-hmm. a mutant. And one of them was like a fucking cyborg. Yeah, Donald Pierce. Yeah, Donald Pierce. Yeah. yeah. Um, the original members. 
And uh, we mentioned earlier, and someone asked a question we'll get to later, there is no history of a red king or queen. Not that I've been able to see. Yeah, we haven't so, seen that. Yeah, so with there, the, at the end of the book, they had like a layout of what the Hellfire Club should look like. Yes. And it had a, the three voting members were a, a white king, queen, black king, queen, red king, queen. You know, like how, whoever's there, you know. Um, and then underneath them, what did they have? They had a bishop and a knight. Yeah. For each one, right? Yes. So the next book, and I didn't know that. So like the tight, like right underneath, um, that one of the best shots, one of the best drawings of Kitty Pride ever. Definitely. It, it says coming next issue, Black Bishop, and I was like, well, that's fucking awkward. Yeah. Like I was like, <laughs> that is weird. And then like you turn the page and it shows the breakdown. I'm like, oh, I see. Like the Black King is gonna pick his bishop or yeah. something you know like oh okay i get it it's definitely a lot of like inner struggle going yes. on soon for, yeah and I, I really love that because i always so, love the idea of the hellfire Club. i am excited to see who the other ones will be because right now on emma's chart if i'm not mistaken all she her bishop is her brother i don't know anything about her brother when i saw that name i was like who the fuck is that i just vaguely and i like not enough to like go yeah i didn't know like, she like, had i legit I, didn't know she had any yeah, family like I, yeah so or him and then None, no other member has any. So I'd be interested to see who Sebastian picks to run his side, who Kitty's going to pick to run her I side. I mean, Selena should have to come back, right? She's a mutant. If they're bringing back mutants, even though she's like death, she's like a vampire necromancer. Yeah. Like, she's one of those mutants that's like, do we have to bring her back? I, know. <laughs> I bet you like the council, the quiet council especially is like, is she really a mutant? Do we know? For sure? Was she ever tested? Did her X gene get confirmed? <laughs> well, we... she's one of those mutants that always goes, I was the first. She's, yeah. the, she's, she's in that group of like five a, oh, that's yeah. like, I was the first. Yeah. Like, was it? Or was it Namor? Uh-huh. Or was it Apocalypse? Yeah. Or was it someone else we don't really know? So, yeah. Sel- I'll never answer that. I would, I would assume Selene's going to come back. That I could love, be a thing. I love that bitch. So, as I referenced. Anything for Selena. We have a question. Our One of our first? Our second question. One of our, yeah. One of our, like, most in-depth questions. So, thank you uh, to at Costa Phyllis. Um, probably mispronouncing that, but sorry. Um, that's why I gave it to you. First of all, I appreciate you thinking that we know anything. Yeah. And that you would ask us Very impressive. Question, question. But your question to us is, you've recently come back to X-Men and found the Dawn of X to be great, but struggling a bit with roles of the council and the reveal of the Red King and what the significance is. Is this a legacy item that you need to have read previously in comics to appreciate more? Um, so two-parter kind of um the 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 council is not a legacy thing right the the council just got started as a krakoan thing like it is it is just for them so how they set it up the winter autumn spring we don't know yet we don't really know what the significance of that is and we haven't I don't think we've seen the council since Hawksbox, have we? No, I think in a few issues. Because there's one issue cover that has <clears throat> Magneto, Xavier, and Apocalypse wearing suits. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I think that would be the first indication of how the council the works. Council back to yeah. So that is not a legacy issue. Yeah. Hellfire Club As structure said, yeah. is legacy. There are lots of different structures depending on who's running it. I and, and Nick and I have not been able to find any reference to there ever being a red. Yeah. As far as I've ever been able to see, it's been white and black. Every almost every time, yeah. And that's kind of the power dynamic. The only time I can think of a red king or queen is a checkmate in the DC universe, which fun fact has was um Martha Kent one time. Oh. Yeah. In the in the in the TV show in oh. Smallville, yeah. She revealed to be the Red Queen to protect Clark's secret. 
Um, that's how important it is, Bendez. Um, so, <laughs> shots fired at things we'll never hear. Everybody uh, send this episode to Bendez because it looks <laughs> great for me. Um, so, there's no history of that. But also, that thank, is, thank that you for the know. question. But if, you, if somebody else who's listening to this knows, oh, yeah, we'll please definitely chime in. Up. We are not the people who are ever going to feel like, but we're the experts and you're stepping on our toes. I don't no. know shit. We don't explain the X-Men. No, this is not <laughs> this is not Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. This is <laughs> Nick and Josh desperately try to catch up on the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Running in the background. What's happening? What are you guys doing over there? It's that Jackie Chan meme of like grabbing his head and being confused, <laughs> yeah. but it's just different timelines. Yeah. Um, Maybe also, we have to change the name to Nick and Josh catch up with the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a second question I answered on, on Twitter, but I'll bring it up here where he asked me. He said he read what's happening now. Oh, yeah, let's and do that. He also said that he read the um, last run of X-Men, the mm-hmm. last, not astonishing, the last Uncanny that happened. Yeah, the, the Uncanny he, that led up to this. Yes, and he wanted to know what else to read. And I told him from my personal experience, mm-hmm. like a new age fan, if you don't want to have to go all the way back to like Claremont era or get confused with the Morrison era. It's good just to go to Astonishing X-Men with Josh Whedon, because it's a, it's a great... Josh. I always feel like you say Josh. I do say Josh me. Whedon, yeah. Um, it's a great starting on like point with that Astonishing X-Men. And then to get into like the main points of what's happening during oh, that nice. time frame, you can go from Astonishing to The Deadly Genesis by Ed Brubaker, which is really good. And then go to House of X, or sorry, House of M. Because House of M is like the beginning of a whole new era. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, that's really where I started getting into it. Because I was reading Avengers Dissembled. And after that was uh, House of M and all the major Marvel events. But also it's a great starting on point to what happens to the mutants. And a great to me, a great era of different interesting storytelling choices. Especially when they leave uh, the X-Mansion mm-hmm. after it's attacked for the 80 billionth time. And start Utopia, which is really reminiscent of what's happening right now. Even though it ends with Avengers vs. X-Men, which has issues. Which we'll review one day, because I want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but yes, I thought I think that's a good place to go to. Like, Start with Astonishing, mm-hmm. then Deadly Genesis yeah. by Ed Brubaker. And maybe some other stuff during Ed Brubaker's run. Yeah, Ed Brubaker's great, right? Yeah, fantastic. And um, then House of M. In my I, I agree with you on Deadly Genesis and Astonishing X-Men. Astonishing X-Men, especially because it's a very good jumping on point yeah. for just new fans in general. And Deadly Genesis because it's... It kind of sets up some of the stuff that Docs is doing. It's yeah, got, that's it's got, It features Krakoa. It features Vulcan. It, it's uh, got all asshole uh, Xavier. Yeah, it's got an asshole of an Xavier. Uh, the only other ones I would add, um, Grant Morrison's new X-Men run because it's great, but also because it's, it's clear. for new fans. I yes. Think. Yeah. So if you if you have a good concept, and it seems, it seems this person does have yeah, a yeah. good concept on the X-Men. Um, but it's clear that Hickman is really drawing from Grant Morrison's run. So yeah. I think it's good to, to read. And I also enjoyed it. The, the 2017's Astonishing X-Men. The one, Fantastic. Charles I, Soul. Yeah, really, really good. I really liked it. It so. was the best X-Men I've read until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for sure. I think that's another good modern one. Too. And Charles Soul's a fantastic writer. Oh, like almost Morrison. everything he I writes. I love Daredevil too. Yeah. Really, really good. So yeah, that's the episode guys. I apologize for last week's, um, audio quality. We didn't know it was skipping so yeah, much. It was, yeah, it, was, it was dropping connection a lot. Yeah. But we're doing this in person right now. It's, you know. This is going to sound better. I yes. Was gonna I mean, I'm giving him a back rub as we speak. Yeah. So Ooh, it's, it's so good. Ah, yes. <laughs> I don't know why I'm going. Ah, but yeah. So <laughs> You get pleasure from my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works. That's the right way to do it, men. So uh, <laughs> that's the episode, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for 
interacting with us. We really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it shows you, us uh, that people. If care. you want to find us on Twitter, you can find me find at it. Madman three thousand five, and you can find me at Xbrarian. It's Librarian, but take out the L. Yeah, there you go. Makes sense. Uh, so next time we oh man, talk how many books do guys, we have? We have a lot of books. I, I it's gonna we'll put gonna it. See. We'll just put it some other time. We got we got three coming out just Actually, next week alone. I, d- I did notice this. They didn't put a schedule in the back of this book oh, of Marauders. True. So I think because I guess they just next it. week I think is yeah New Mutants and two I'm others. assuming they did do that because the schedule changed. Yeah, I think and they so. didn't have time to print the proper schedule in that back one, which you know it's gonna happen eventually. They can't be perfect forever. But the current schedule will have November 27th. It's supposed to be New Mutants and X-Force and Fallen Angels. Yes. I don't think that's the same anymore. It might not I think that's changing. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. You'll find out when we find out. Yeah. We'll all find out together what we talk about next time. <laughs> um, you won't hear from us before. I'm just realizing this. So if you're listening in the, in the United States, have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Yeah, guys. Have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, if you're not listening to the state, have, have a great Thursday the 28th. Have yeah. a great remembering the massacre of Native Americans. Yeah. yeah. Remember what we did fondly because we apparently do. Watch the movie Pilgrim on Hulu because it's <laughs> fucking just... amazing. It's really, really good. If you like Sam Raimi style horror. Very cool. If you want to celebrate Thanksgiving <laughs> with that. The, the way it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. All right, guys. All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. It's catching on. It, it, it's not.